Election College episode 136. A little history about the United States Capitol, or Capitol. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. That intro was, well, it was meant to kind of be funny, but it kind of fell flat. It's kind of just confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So, capital and capital. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the building. We're going to talk about the location. So, Washington, D.C. is the capital a-L-C-A-P-I-T-A-L of mm-hmm. the United States of America and the United States Capitol Building, C-A-P-I-T-O-L, <laughs> <laughs> is the building itself. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about that this morning and um, there's a quite a history. Yeah, they're really the easy city. to get confused too. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about, oh, different capitals of the United States of America. Well, I mean, it's Washington, D.C. We all know that's the only one. Uh, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the first Continental Congress met up in Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia. And so that's, you know, that was the very first capital city, I guess you could say. And they were only there in Independence Hall and, uh, I'm sorry, in Capitol Hall. Independence Hall was actually not available for them um, for like a little over a month and a half. And, uh, you know, Philadelphia came back and a couple of times and was the, the capital city a few different times throughout uh, history, but it was the first. Yeah, like six different occasions Congress was held in Philly. Mm-hmm. And then Baltimore became the capital when the Continental Congress saw the British coming. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it seemed like that would be a good place to go, right? Because... Yeah. Hey, why not? Baltimore. You know, you got the the Orioles playing and <laughs> I guess the Ravens wouldn't neither one of us care for the Ravens. Right. But yeah. yeah. So they were like, Oh, football season's about to start. <laughs> September <laughs> rolls around, boom, they're back to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, coming up a couple years later, the capital moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it was only the capital for a single day uh again they were forced to flee philadelphia because the british were coming and uh, they decided we aren't nearly far enough away from from philadelphia and here in lancaster we really definitely need to get even further away yeah so on september the 27th 1777 that's when lancaster was the city notice that we're saying lancaster properly well, properly according to the way people from Lancaster say it. Yeah. If you're not from Lancaster, you don't have a say. And, I mean, neither do we. Yeah. So, let if, them decide. I wonder if they got cheese and other things, <laughs> you know? Yeah, probably. They have good, good food in Lancaster. That's true. So, the British were coming, and they needed to hightail it out of Lancaster. So, they moved the capital down to York, and that is where... York, Pennsylvania, is where the Articles of Confederation were actually drafted. And York, 
you know, it's a, it's a nice city, right? White Rose City. Yeah. They declare themselves the first capital of the United States because, well, the Articles of Confederation. Those are the first legal documents that refer to these colonies as the United States of America. And, of course, the Declaration says the United States of America, but a lot of people will argue that the Declaration of Independence was not a legal document because we were still under British rule. Anyway. A lot of people from York will say that. Right. Nobody from York. <laughs> people from York are going to say we were, the, we were the first U.S. capital. Right. So then they moved down to Princeton, New Jersey, and they were in Nassau Hall there. And, uh, you know, they're there for about three months in 1783. And while they're there at Princeton, uh, they pretty much said, hey, George, Washington, great job on getting rid of the, the British, getting through with the war. Um, it, it was, you know, really a great idea when you guys negotiated that treaty with them. <laughs> and uh, Congress actually had gone to uh, Princeton because Independence Hall had been mobbed. And yeah. <laughs> we talked about this in brief at least uh, a few, I don't know, 10 episodes, 15 episodes back. But uh, all the soldiers came and said, we want our money yeah. from fighting in the Revolutionary War. And uh, Congress was like, we don't got it, so we're going to move to Princeton. (laughs) (laughs) Congress better have my money. Sorry, I just can't help it. (laughs) Yeah, so Nassau Hall in Princeton. You need to um, have a Princeton education in order to say that, Mm -hmm. Nassau Hall. Yeah. So the Capitol um, moves down to Maryland for just a bit, um, almost a year, not quite, And in Annapolis, that's where Washington resigns as commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. The Articles of Confederation are ratified. And congratulations, Maryland. You can lay claim to have served as one of the capitals of the United States. Yeah. Well, and the more interesting one, at least in my opinion, is Trenton, New Jersey. They move down to Trenton, and they meet at the French Arms Tavern, which is where the Congress of the Confederation uh, hung out a lot. So, um, of course, there's probably some drinking happening as well, but uh, really the only place they could all fit was the French Arms Tavern. And the uh, the French Arms Tavern is, is now uh, a, a bank, so that you can't go and drink there or anything, but... I mean, you might, they might give you some water if you're thirsty. Well, I wonder if they have like a special keg in the back just for if you uh, come in and request. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that guy's coming in for a loan again. <laughs> Employees go back. And, no. So <laughs> uh, a lot of us have been by Federal Hall in New York, and that was the home to Congress for about four years. It's also where Nog the inauguration of Washington happened for his first term Mm -hmm. and the Congress met there in 1789 and Washington's like, Hmm, we need to find a place (laughs) to live. (laughs) And, um, yeah, there was all kinds of, um, well, I almost said minutia, but, all kinds of housekeeping issues that needed to be right. taken care of. But yeah, Federal Hall. And uh, it's still there, the Washington statue. And you can see where Washington was inaugurated. And uh, the Bible that he swore on for that inauguration is there most of the time. 
It's a pretty cool building, too. Yeah. Uh, the other night I used this as a trivia question, and I said, which city was the first capital? And I met Philadelphia, but then I, I said, uh, some people had guessed New York, and I gave it to them, because technically New York was the first capital, because it was the first capital after the government was really established, but... I was really looking for Philadelphia. Sorry, yeah. New York. I bet you'd be a lot harder on people who weren't election college. I mean, who were you'd be harder college. on election college yeah. listeners, yeah. of course. Pub trivia. You all know. Pub trivia is different. So. You know the truth. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we see Washington, D.C. Uh, become the capital as the Residence Act is passed in 1790. And, you know, Washington is given kind of free reign, even though he didn't really have free reign. But he was given free reign to decide where he wanted the capital. And then he said, um, you know, how about this spot here by the Potomac? And you guys have 10 years to build it. And so, uh, you know, Madison and Jefferson are, are, uh, are really wanting this spot. And he has to kind of capitulate to their desires. <laughs> um, but uh, it's way better for them than for New York. And so Washington, D.C., United States capital for now and evermore, maybe? Yeah, right. We think so. Yeah. So in 1790, they all moved back down to Philly. So Philly's been the capital off and on for all these years. And it was during that time that, of course, we just mentioned the Residence Act. And everybody was like, okay, let's do it. So they select uh, Pierre Charles L'Enfant, which if you've been to Washington, you've seen L'Enfant plaza i'm sure i'm butchering the french there (laughs) and he laid out the plan for the capital city and he chose jenkins hill as the site for the capitol building and there's this grand boulevard that would connect the capitol building with the president's house and we know that as constitution avenue so uh tj you know thomas jefferson yeah he said this building that's built on the top of Jenkins Hill needs to be called the Capitol rather than Congress Hall because the word capital with the OL is associated with a Latin term that is associated with the temple of Jupiter Optimus Maximus on the Capitoline Hill on one of the seven hills in Rome, right? Yeah. And LaFont's like, um, Okay, whatever you say, whatever. I'm just designing the place. You name it, whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah, so he actually is also the one who built the um, the or designed at least the president's house. Um, But George Washington's like, okay, um, I kind of I'm kind of having an issue with you here, dude. Uh, Get out. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he's gone. Linfon's gone, and. Now they have to look for a new person. So uh, Thomas Jefferson starts proposing a design for, uh, you know, just to have like a little friendly competition between designers for the president's house and the Capitol and says, hey, if you win, you get 500 bucks and you also have a lot here at the federal city. So Stephen Hallett, who is a French architect, um, puts in a bunch of stuff. They're expecting him to be really good. And they're like, man, this is amazing. It's awesome it's french it's fancy and it's stinking expensive so we can't use his stuff yeah he probably pronounced his name Halle, don't you think because he's french 
Yeah, Hallett sounds way more American. I think, let's call him Hallett. Yeah. And so, <laughs> enters in on the scene an amateur architect named William Thornton. And he submitted a design. And get this, Washington and TJ agree on something. Wow. They're like, this is awesome. It, the design gets its inspiration from, or I should say Thornton got his inspiration from the east end of the Louvre as well as the Paris Pantheon uh, for the center portion of the design. So, Thornton, go Willie. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> and um, Thornton serves as the first architect of the capital. And uh, interestingly enough, he later served as superintendent of the patent office. I think it would have been way cooler if it looked like the Rome Pantheon. Yeah, that would be pretty <laughs> sweet. Have you ever been there? No. It's it's like amazing and terrifying at the same time. I don't know why. Hmm. I just imagine myself being in there in that big hole in the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy that it's still there. It is. Wow. The area around it has seen better days. Has it? Yeah. <laughs> but the building itself, is, the Pantheon itself is pretty well preserved. It's definitely on the bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, they get together, they come up with a design and construction starts. Um, there had been, you know, L'Enfant before he was gone, uh, had leased a bunch of different quarries and everything to get, um, to get rock for the foundations. So they're surveying and uh, a bunch of Freemasons, of course, are coming in and laying the cornerstone because... Do, 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 do. Yeah. Freemasons. <laughs> Nicholas Cage was there. Yeah, Nicholas Cage was definitely there too. And so um, they they complete thing. They start completing things. Things go uh, move along steadily. And the Senate wing actually gets completed in 1800. And the Senate and the House shared the Senate wing until uh, they had actually built a temporary wooden pavilion for the House to be in. So. Um, <laughs> Senate, you get to have a nice building that's really nice and, and house. You can use it while your pavilion's raining, you know, while it's raining outside and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they can be like, um, I can remember in high school thinking on a nice day, you know, let's have class outside. Yeah. And Congress was probably like, Washington is really hot in the summer. Yeah. But anyway, so yay, Senate, you are the privileged people. So it's kind of interesting, just backing up just a bit about the laying of the cornerstone. Uh-huh. We celebrated that back in September, uh, where Washington comes to town in 1793. This is like the first official ceremony where several people come and they're all in their Freemason right. regalia and all that. And there was this silver plaque that was put on the cornerstone, or the cornerstone was put on the silver plaque. I, I can't remember which way but anyway um back in the early 90s they were doing some excavation and i think it might have been for the new visitor center there at the building but uh-huh. they tried to locate the silver plate uh-huh. that's, that's on the cornerstone and they had the metal detector and trying to lo- locate it and they couldn't locate it huh. so i'm sure yeah there's a movie that we could probably write about it or maybe one of our listeners could write about the missing silver plaque and how it's tied to some aliens or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's on a hill. Right. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it was the fact that early on the capital was actually used for different uh, types of religious services. Talk about problem there, huh? 
Yeah. Maybe the uh, maybe there was some kind of pagan god that came down and took the silver plaque. Mm. Well, I, I I hope that's not the case. <laughs> now I'm now I'm starting now I'm starting to mix uh, um, myth and mystery here at the same time. So let me let's go back to reality. Yes, the the capital <laughs> was used for some religious services uh, back when it first. Um, when it first opened and whenever it was first built, or at least the Senate wing was built. Sorry, house again. You're out, you're outside. And uh, they, they held some services in statu- Statuary Hall and uh, in the House Chamber as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because uh, the religious services, I mean, they continued you know, through the Civil War. And um, at first it was only Protestants. And then Catholics began... Um, having services in 1826, or at least officiating over services. And then, uh, interestingly enough, in 1806, Dorothy Ripley, she was a female evangelist, and she had a camp-style meeting, and uh, she exhorted um, uh, the likes of Jefferson and Aaron Burr and Uh, uh, filled the place. Aaron Burr went to church? Um, Well... I suppose he did. It's so weird to think that he was Jonathan Edwards' grandson. It is weird to think that. Just crazy. And then, <laughs> you know, I, if you are a descendant of Burr, some of your descendants, or some of the descendants of Aaron Burr, were rock star awesome people. Oh, yeah. And and how about that? I think a lot of people would consider Aaron Burr a rock star person, too, except for, you know, a few giant mistakes in his life. Yeah. Yeah, except for you. He was against slavery. Yeah. I I will yeah. give him that. Hey, so, you know, the Capitol gets built. It's it's all getting nice and up and running. And I think the, the Congress actually is fully complete in, in the Capitol building in 1811 or something. And 1814, the War of 1812. But 1814 rolls around, and the British are coming, and they burn the place <laughs> down. <laughs> so... Whoops, um, it has to go under reconstruction and the Congress meet at the old brick Capitol, um, which is, you know, just a temporary structure, uh, of course, but construction takes another like 15 years or something, or maybe it was like 12, um, but they put in the outer um, center section and they put in the, the porticos and the rotunda and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of starts to take shape and look like what we know it to look like today. Yeah. So it's it's weird to think about that the dome was covered in copper mm-hmm. because it looks nothing like that anymore. So in 1850, the capital just could not accommodate all of these new people that were coming to Washington because, let's face it, the country's growing. We have more states. More representatives are needed. So uh, Millard Fillmore, he says, hey, Thomas Walter from Philly, you architect, you help us expand the building. (laughs) So they add a new chamber for the house on the South side and a new chamber for the Senate on the North. And, um, get this, Ben, some of the construction labor in the 1850s, they had slaves. Whoops. Yeah. They cut logs and laid the stones, baked the bricks. And the original plan was to use workers who were brought in from Europe but there was a poor response to the cr- recruitment efforts there. And, um, yeah, 
Yeah. So this country was literally built by African Americans. Yeah. Well, at least the capital, um, and lots of other parts too. <laughs> uh, the the dome is also built at the same time in around uh, 1855, and uh, Thomas Walter, who designed the rest of the capital um, in the previous expansion, uh, designed the dome, and that's where you kind of you know get a lot of the pizzazz that the Capitol building has. It's if you if you know the look of it, that's the thing that sticks out most in your mind, you're not thinking about the wings. You're thinking about the dome. Yeah. Yeah. And my goodness, that dome is huge. And at the top of the dome stands freedom, which freedom is a colossal statue. And it doesn't look that big when you look at it from a distance, but oh my goodness, if you stand next to it, which they have a... I'm not sure if that's the original or if it's a reproduction that they have mm-hmm. at the visitor center, but it's huge. The statue was actually cast by Philip Reed, who was a slave. And they say that the cast iron dome that freedom stands atop the dome weighs almost 9 million pounds. That's crazy. Nine million pounds. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's gigantic, right? So it's also heavy, which makes sense, I suppose. But it starts to outweigh or overweigh or whatever you want to say, the Capitol building. Uh, the, the east front of the Capitol building was rebuilt back in 1904. And they had to kind of put in some new office buildings and, and change things around a little bit. And then in 1958, they actually extended the east portico and uh, totally restored the dome and and did a whole new marble uh sandstone in the east front and stuff like that so they took out some columns and put them in the national arboretum and then also took out you know a bunch of the original stone uh maybe that's where that plate went um yeah really (laughs) and took them back to um the uh the rock creek park so things are changing but also continuing to look the same and for some reason, it takes until 1960 for the National Park Service to actually say that the Capitol is a national historic landmark. I mean, go figure. It's <laughs> you know, like one of the most important buildings in America. Uh, and it takes until 1960 to make sure it's protected under that act. Yeah. So we are posting this episode in October of 2016. So we are right at the precipice of Election Day are standing right there. I just wanted to say precipice because it's a big word. I understand. So by the time the new president is inaugurated in January of 2017, some work that's currently being done on the Capitol is supposed to be complete. So if you head to Washington right now in the fall of 2016, it's possible that you may not be able to go inside certain parts of the building It's possible you might see some scaffolding. The last time I was there, about a month ago, um, a lot of that scaffolding had been taken down, but then you couldn't go inside the main portion. Couldn't go inside the rotunda? No. Man, that's where all the cool stuff is. The cool stuff indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about how I stood in line for seven hours for Reagan's funeral? Yeah. To get into the Capitol? If you want to repeat the story, though, you're welcome to. Maybe for another time. Okay. (laughs) So one thing when visiting the Capitol that you may or may not notice. Now, a lot of us are going to notice the statues and Statuary Hall. That's 
awesome. And I, whenever I go to the Capitol building, try to stand right in the middle of the building because you're in the middle of DC and it just feels awesome. There's a circular stone there and Mm -hmm. it's really nice. But on the ground floor of the building, there is an area and it's called the crypt. And the original purpose of the crypt was that that was going to be the burial place for George Washington. And Washington was like, um, no, <laughs> I want to guys. Be, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to be buried at my home at Mount Vernon. And so the crypt now houses exhibits on the history of the Capitol building. And it also shows the different quadrants of the city of Washington, DC, because guess what? Like that stone I was mentioning, the crypt lies underneath that. And that is the geographic center of Washington, DC. But guess what? What? The geographic center of Washington, DC. Uh huh. It's actually near the white house. Oh, <laughs> so don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell anyone. Cause you're not supposed to know. <laughs> of course, inside the the Capitol, there's also all sorts of art and statues, and uh, you'll see paintings from history and uh, paintings of George Washington and paintings of uh, po- the baptism of Pocahontas is there. Uh, lots of different stuff that you can see, as well as different documents, of course, important documents in our country's history are also going to be there as well. Um, so make sure if you ever get a chance to go to the Capitol, you also go inside the Capitol if you are able, uh, because there's lots of cool stuff to see and lots of stuff that we've talked about here on this very podcast. Yeah. So Ben, I wanted to stand, um, corrected on something I said a little bit earlier about the statue of freedom mm-hmm. that's in the visitor center. That, that is a cast okay. of the actual statue. So you can see that in the visitor center, and it's awesome to stand next to. Our listeners are going to fire you. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really encourage everyone, uh, no matter where you're from, no matter what nationality, go to Washington, D.C. Visit the Capitol building. It is an amazing, it's one of my favorite places on earth. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you want to come here if you weren't from America? I mean, it's still a cool structure. I'd like to go to the Kremlin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just to see the the infrastructure there. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from our listeners. Um, how many times have you been to the Capitol? Have you never been? What do you think Washington D.C. is like? Um, let us know about some of your favorite places that may serve as a capital, whether it be a state capital or another national capital. I'm all about capitals. I try to visit as many state capitals as I possibly can. Do you think that the Philly cheesesteak was around when the capital was in Philadelphia? No. Okay. They brought in cheese from Lancaster. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like Jason said, we want to hear from you on any of our social media sites and also make sure to leave us a great five-star raving review (laughs) or whatever you seem is appropriate. Uh, on iTunes that really helps us out it helps other people learn about the show and find out if they want to listen to it or not yeah and earlier in the podcast we mentioned Aaron Burr Um, you're welcome 
yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but Ben and I did record an audiobook called The Dueling Letters, and those are the letters between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, as well as a couple of others who had some input in trying to formulate some sort of resolution before their fateful duel. You can download that audiobook by going to electioncollege.com slash dueling letters. When you do so, you not only get that enrichment of hearing some great sarcasm from a couple of founding fathers, but you also help support the podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.